Hello, 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 and thank you for joining Reasons for Leaving. I am the man who is still figuring out what he wants to do when he grows up, and your host, Dale Robbins. You know, I've always believed in an honest day's pay for an honest day's work, and eating my bread by the sweat of my brow. I also believe some of the ways we go about this are freaking hilarious. On this show, you will hear comical reporting and storytelling about how we work and what we buy. I invite you to follow the show if you enjoy witty and informative humor about important aspects of our everyday lives. I'll interview guests on the show and share some of the crazy adventures I've experienced in my life as the man of a thousand jobs. This show will come like a payday every other Friday. And while you're waiting for the next episode, I invite you to check out the show's website, www.reasonsforleaving.com, to learn more about me and connect with other listeners through my social media outlets. And now, because truth is often stranger than fiction, let's take a look at some happenings in our funny little world. Our first story is from Arkansas. An adult film actress was concerned about catching the COVID-19 virus due to having to interact with others in close proximity while working. Her solution for social distancing? Get a job at Taco Bell. However, she states a customer recognized her and complained to the store, whereupon she was terminated from their employee. Taco Bell states she was terminated for violating company policy unrelated to her outside activities. Viva Moss. South Korea. The president of Samsung has been sentenced to prison for attempting to bribe the president of South Korea to receive special treatment for the benefit of the company. This spurred Apple fans across the world to state, the Apple platform is better than Samsung, for bribing government officials, and Apple would not have been caught. From the Wall Street Journal, a new trend in furniture emerges during quarantine. Remember being a kid and pulling out all the cushions off the couch to make a fort? Remember your mom telling you to knock it off and put them back? With kids stuck in the house for weeks and months at a time, parents are seeing the benefits of modular or convertible furniture like the Nugget. The durable product allows kids to quote, flip, flop, and prod from a sofa to bed to fort without help from parents. Their sales increased by 250% in 2020. And lastly, in the world of sports, the Washington football team has hired General Manager to be the new team General Manager. General Manager states he is excited to be a part of the team and looks forward to working with Assistant General Manager. And that's the news for now. Our guest this episode is Attorney Mike Stanger of the Strong and Haney Law Firm in Salt Lake City, Utah. Mike specializes in employment law and is the father of four daughters. Mike, thanks for joining the show today. Um, on a personal note, I'm the father of two daughters in teen years, and I suspect that in addition to being a skilled litigator, you're also a professional-level crisis de-escalator. Well, yeah, uh, a little bit of that. I, I certainly uh, did 
security skills at home sometimes, although uh, I try to keep those separate. <laughs> Um, so, Mike, on the subject of employment law, uh, many states operate under something called at-will employment. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. And uh, more than just many states, 49 out of the 50 states have a presumption that my employment is at-will, meaning that I or my employer can end that relationship at any time for any lawful reason. It's the presumption, and unless the parties have done something to change that, whether it's you know a written contract or you know in some cases uh, promises that were made that the employee would have a long-term relationship with the company, but unless unless one of those changes has been made, uh, the, the employee's relationship with the employer is going to be at will, meaning. It's not for a definite term. It can be terminated by either side at any time. It seems like every workplace has that one person with the creepy vibes. Uh, so can someone legally be fired for being just creepy or not well-liked? Uh, sure, absolutely. I mean, I, I think uh, presuming that their, that their uh, relationship status with the company is, is at will, there's nothing that would stop an employer from uh, terminating somebody because they're not a good fit. There's kind of this presumption in the law, and in a lot of this is just will even come out and, and, and state this. You know, we're not we're not here to second guess employers' business judgment. We want to give employers as much discretion as possible, and not intrude on on that discretion unless it's exercised in a way that uh, that is unlawful. That singles somebody out because they're a member of a protected class or or punishes them for exercising protected activity. And yeah, so being a creep is not a protected class, and, and, and therefore it would be perfectly lawful for an employer to terminate somebody because they had that kind of creepy vibe. It's been my experience that the times I've been fired are a lot like the times I've been dumped. Um, there's not much to talk about, and even if you can get another chance, you're still in a relationship with someone who's not really into you anymore. Um, but in an at-will employment situation, are there any resources or recourses for people who have legitimately been discriminated against, these uh, protected classes that you talked about? Well, sure. Um, you know, most, of the, most of the issues relating to protected classes, your, your first uh, line of recourse would be the, uh, the EEOC, which uh, administers Title VII and the other statutes that, that deal with protected classes and or the uh, state agency that, that has a file sharing agreement with the, uh, the EEOC in the, in the case of the state of Utah where, where I'm at, uh, that uh, is the uh, Anti-Discrimination and Labor Division of, of the State Labor Commission. So he would file a charge of discrimination with, with one of those agencies and, and they would investigate that and and make a decision about whether uh, you had, in fact, been discriminated against. And I imagine in the course of these investigations, they would be looking at employer-to-employee uh, -employee communications via email or whatnot to kind of get context of what was going on in this situation. Yeah, so the, the way that the investigation typically goes is first, first they ask the employer for a written response to the claim of discrimination. The claim of discrimination is usually a very short one-paragraph summary 
essentially um, the, their legitimate business reasons that they claim back up the uh, back up the decision to terminate. Um, so you know you might see something like an employee who says, "Well, I believe I was discriminated against because you know I'm a member of a protected class uh, and, and I and I was terminated and." and I think it was because of my membership in that protected class. And the employer might come back with something that says, uh, well, actually, we terminated you because you were late for work every day. So then uh, they go back to the employee, and and the employee then has a chance to try to rebut the uh, legitimate non-discriminatory reason that has been offered by the employer. Sometimes they look at things like, you know, the proximity of the termination to certain protected activities so that the classic um, the classic retaliation case there would be somebody who complains that they're being sexually harassed at work. So a woman goes in on Thursday and enters uh, that complaint with HR, and then Friday she's terminated. The court and or the, the labor commission or the EEOC is going to look at that and say, you know what, that one-day temporal proximity between the... Uh, between the protected activity and the uh, termination leads us to believe that there might be something there as far as claims of, of discrimination or retaliation. Um, if, uh, you know, if, if really you were going to terminate this person for poor attendance, you know, we might have seen that termination happen earlier and not, not in such close uh, temporal proximity to, to her complaint. And so, yeah, they'll get those papers in writing and then they'll likely perform some witness interviews with people that they identified from the papers submitted by the parties as being relevant. They'll interview those parties and then the investigator um, may request more documents. There's usually a standard set of documents they request and they might ask for that to be supplemented based on their interviews and their written responses. And after that, they sit down and, and uh, write up a decision on whether they think there's good cause to believe that discrimination did in fact happen or not. That's the basic process. Well, that's good to know. It sounds very thorough. Um, Mike, in your career, you must have come across or heard of some bizarre or hum humorous work situations. Uh, do you have any you could share with our listeners? Uh, yeah, I certainly have had some bizarre ones. I think um, you know, I started my practice in Las Vegas, which tends to be uh, an interesting place for employment law anyway. And and I will say that some of the most interesting decisions come out of uh, labor arbitration, uh, which I did quite a bit of in Las Vegas. Some of the terminations that I've seen overturned uh, are, are really interesting. There, there are a few famous ones. There's one about a, you know, a woman who I believe was a cocktail server at a casino and, and uh, came to work high on drugs. And at some point she was trying to leak over the... Uh, gaming tables in the casino and, and huh. shouting out loud, I, I am a gazelle, I am a gazelle. And uh, and so they terminated her for being intoxicated in the workplace, but the, 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 the arbitrator who heard that decision overturned the termination and found that the behavior was not egregious enough to, to warrant termination in that case, especially because it, it was her first time uh, imitating a gazelle in the workplace, and so she really shouldn't have understood that that, uh, that was problematic for the employer. <laughs> So potentially being a gazelle could be a protected class. Well, labor is a whole different world than, than <laughs> standard standard employment law. Yeah, it sounded it sounded like in that case it, it, it might be. 
Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and uh, thank you for your time. You're sure welcome. And now it's time for Dale's Tales. I've had a lot of different jobs throughout my life. I encourage you to visit my website for a full listing. Each show, I'll end with a story from one of those jobs. When I was 17 years old, I worked at a pretty classy hotel in Miami, Florida as a dockhand at their marina. The setting was different from a typical high schooler's job. I was on the waterfront of Biscayne Bay, a body of water just west of the Atlantic Ocean, with the island of Miami Beach slightly to its east. It was an active job, mostly tying up boats to the docks as they came in and pumping fuel into them. Unlike a gas station for cars where you can park right next to the pumps, we had to pull a thick rubber hose on a retractable spindle connected to the pump over to the fuel port on the boat. The heat was often punishing, but the action was lively. People from all over the world would stop there to refuel and go on or dock their boat for a few nights while they enjoyed the city. They had the option to spend the night on their boat or check into the hotel. If they checked into the hotel, we would transport the guest and their luggage on a golf cart from their boat to the hotel front door. Some of our guests actually lived on their boats for months at a time or year-round. In the mornings, we would drive around the docks in the cart and toss the daily newspaper onto the decks of their boats. Each day was different and there was always something to do. And one day we had a much unexpected visitor. I arrived at work and found the dock master on a call on speakerphone. You will need to call the Coast Guard. We don't handle dead animals, said the voice on the other line. My boss then called the Coast Guard to explain how that morning a large unfortunate and dead dog floated into the marina. You need to call animal control, they said. But they just told me to call you, replied my boss. He disconnected the call, looked at me, and said, Dale, you and Lee need to get in the little boat and get that thing out of here. Lee is what sailors would call an old salt. He was maybe 40 years my senior, retired military, jovial with the customers, but not so much with the staff. He made it clear to me that he would row the boat, but he was not having anything to do with the dog. And so we descended the ladder on the dock uh, into a little rowboat about six feet long, I with a pole with a hook at the end and he with an oar. As we approached the poor dog, a crowd had gathered on the docks, which included the resident manager of the hotel. He thought himself quite comical as he called out to the dog and began to whistle. I remember looking up at him and then at the pole in my hands with the hook at the end, then looking up again at the resident manager as I fantasized about pulling the manager off the dock 
and into the water, my eyes met with Lee, whose eyes had the faintest twinkle in them as he read my thoughts. The corner of his mouth curled up ever so slightly to veil an absolutely wicked smile. But then he dismissed the idea with a quick shake of his head. We arrived at the dog. I will spare you the details, but I'll just say it was bad. Really bad. I hooked the sad animal, and Lee rode us far enough out into the bay to release it into the outgoing current. The head of security for the hotel was there to witness the event, and he nominated Lee and me each for Employee of the Month. A few weeks later, we were invited to a fancy lunch in the hotel ballroom with all the department heads and nominees from the other departments. I had my picture taken, shaking hands with the general manager, and the food was really good. Just before the dessert course, the nominees were recognized for their achievements by the person who nominated them. When it came time for me and Lee to be spotlighted, the security head hailed our bravery and commitment as he graphically detailed the conditions of the dog that day. This was followed by awkward, slow, and scattered applause, and no one finished their dessert. From then on, no matter where I worked, I often found myself saying during stressful times, well, at least I'm not dragging a dead dog out into the ocean. And that's all for now. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Reasons for Leaving. The next episode will be in two weeks. Until then, check out reasonsforleaving.com for more content and to connect with the show on social media. I'm Dale Robbins, and remember, failure is the condiment that gives success the flavor. <laughs>